Dismiss. Thank you, John, for jumping in and helping out today. Thank you, Miss Kathy, as always. We'll be in Galatians chapter 5 again this morning. Galatians chapter 5. We've been going through the fruit of the Spirit. Um, and, you know, as we look at the fruit of the Spirit, again, we're, we're looking at um, what is the characteristics of a proper relationship with Christ. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit is a result of that proper relationship. So if we have a proper relationship with Christ, we will be showing forth these things. And, uh, of course, before they got to the, the fruit of the Spirit, it talks about the works of the flesh in verses 19, 20, and 21, uh, that's the showing of, of, of a lack of relationship with God. But then we get into verse 22, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections of and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. And that verse 25 really is what we desire to be. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. If we have the Spirit, let us produce fruit that proves that we have the Spirit. Um, and and that, that goal of having a proper relationship with Christ is not attaining it at one time uh, and never having to consider it again. At salvation, we receive Christ, and we have Christ uh, uh, for eternity. But the fruit of the Spirit is, is, again, it's showing where our current relationship is with Christ. Uh, having a proper relationship with Christ. We're, we talk about dads and kids on Father's Day, and when you're, when you're a father, there is times in life where you have a great relationship with your children, and then there are times where you don't. And sometimes it's at your fault, sometimes it's at the kid's fault. And whatever it may be, there is a brokenness in the relationship. And without that proper relationship, uh, there are things missing. The same is true with, with God. When we have a proper relationship with God, then there are things that show forth. It is these fruit the love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. But when we are missing something in our relationship with our Heavenly Father, there will be things missing in our lives, whether it be showing forth these other things, the works of the flesh, uh, which is a pretty uh, scary list, right? Uh, we can look at it, verse 19, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, Variants, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Uh, so you see that list there, and, and, and those things cannot be present uh, with the fruit of the Spirit present. It, it can't, they don't go together. They're actually opposites. And so having that proper relationship with Christ, when we have it, uh, which again is a daily need. It's not a one-time need, it's a daily need. And in doing so, you know, relationships are, are work. Um, as, a, as a young person, 
you think relationships are just uh, uh, nowadays text messages. Back in, in the olden days, uh, it was phone calls uh, or letters and, uh, and communication mainly is the main thing. Relationship involves communication. And when you're lacking the communication, you lack the relationship. It, it, it has a problem. When I was in college, started dating uh, Katie, she, we were, uh, what were we, were we freshmen? Uh, we started dating at the end of our freshman year. And uh, I, I was not a good boyfriend. Um, I enjoyed uh, my friends. I enjoyed playing basketball. I enjoyed playing video games. I, I enjoyed doing things uh, with other people. And, uh, and so me and Katie, we would talk on the phone, but it wouldn't be much of a conversation. It was uh, a lot of just silence. And are you going to say anything? No. Are you going to say anything? Uh, you know, I got homework, okay, and then we hung up, and then I'd go play basketball, and then she'd find out I went and played basketball. I thought you said you had homework. Well, I did have homework. I just didn't do it. Um, so, you know, those kinds of things. Not great. Uh, there was some strain, some strain in the relationship uh, there for a while. I think I'm a better husband than I was a boyfriend, uh, but you'd have to ask Katie uh, to be sure on that. But, uh, again, the relationship, when it's right, there is, there's so much good that comes from it. A relationship when there's problems, when there's uh, gaps, when, when it's not where it needs to be, it's going to produce other issues as well. And it's very true with our relationship with Christ as well. So today we're going to look at three of these things, gentleness, goodness, and faith, uh, before we go to lunch this afternoon. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for letting us be here today. We thank you for the gorgeous weekend that you've given us. Uh, think of those that are out today, um, away, traveling, visiting, family, doing different things. Lord, I pray that you would uh, bless and keep them safe. Lord, I pray for us today that are here. And Lord, as your word is about to be presented, I pray that uh, it would be something that would help us today, be profitable to our lives. It would help us to grow closer to you. I pray that you'd clear out the distractions in our minds and in our hearts this morning so that we can receive everything that you want us to receive. Help me as I present it, that I would do it clearly and correctly, and I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We've already looked at love, joy, peace, and long-suffering. If you missed it or if you fell asleep during it, go back and listen to it on the uh, podcast form as it's available for you uh, there wherever you get your podcast. But uh, here we sit today and looking at three of the things. Next week we'll close out with meekness and temperance. Uh, but today I want us to look at gentleness, goodness, and faith. And gentleness and goodness are very similar. As a matter of fact, some people combine them. I'm going to separate them today. Uh, but nonetheless, they're, they're very similar. So let's start with gentleness. Gentleness means uh, moral excellence or kindness. Only mentioned ten times in Scripture, this word. And of course, one of the times is right here. So nine other times throughout Scripture. It has the idea of responding to those who don't treat you well with kindness. Um, it is easy to treat people who treat us well. Just as the Bible talks about loving those who love us is easy, uh, but how about those who don't? And we're looking at the fruit of the Spirit, a result of a proper relationship with Christ, and we come to this word gentleness or kindness, moral excellence, responding well to those who do not treat us well. I'd like us to turn to Titus chapter 3 this morning to look more at this idea of gentleness. Titus chapter 3. 
right before Hebrews, Titus chapter 3. And we'll look at the first few verses here of Titus chapter 3. We're looking at the idea of gentleness or kindness, treating those who do not treat us well with kindness. Verse number 1, Titus 3 verse number 1 says, Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. For we ourselves were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But verse 4 says, After the, that the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. It says in verse 6, which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. So here in Titus, he starts talking about kind of the issues that we've had in the past. Uh, all of us have had because we are born this way. He says, we ourselves, verse 3, were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, uh, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. That was what we have been. That Lord willing, we are no longer, but it is what we have been. All of these things are natural to a person. It is what we are honestly born with. The reason why we need to be saved. Because we are naturally born this way. Foolish. Uh, people don't like being called fools. But we've all been foolish. Whether it be in our actions or, or our thoughts. Disobedient. Clearly, we've all been disobedient. Uh, deceived. Serving those diverse lusts and pleasures. The, 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 that which self desires, uh, that which we naturally lean towards. Living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Uh, not everybody is, is as naturally hateful as other people. Uh, I've seen uh, millions of people in my life, and there are some that are just naturally hateful. Right? You've met them before. Um, the... Uh, uh, I know we're not supposed to talk about movies in church, but um, if you've ever seen Monsters, Inc., and I know we're not supposed to promote anything uh, of that, that wicked world, I get it, but uh, they've got the lady who sits at the desks, and she says, Grzyzowski, uh, uh, or whatever she says. She's grumpy, and she's mean, and she's hateful, and, and I apologize if I offend you by bringing up this movie, but... Um, we watched it in Bible college, so it can't be that bad, right? Uh, uh, we were allowed to watch it in Bible college, so it can't be. Anyways, okay, uh, so you got this, this, this natural um, appearance, this natural personality that is just kind of hateful. Just not, nothing nice ever seems to come from them. Everything out of their mouth is grumpy or sharp, and, and there's just never a, a, a smile, and there's never a kindness, and there's never a softness, just naturally hateful. And then you've met someone else who is naturally cheerful and therefore naturally kind. Uh, and, and so you've met those people as well. But you know what? Those cheerful people, they're, they're the serial killers. Uh, they're, the, they're the people you've got to watch out for. 
Because they're hiding something. No one's that happy all the time. Uh, and I know we talked about the importance of joy, and you should be that happy all the time. But, uh, but let's face it, right? We know people who are naturally cheerful, but they still within themselves have hateful thoughts. There are people in which they don't like, and people who in their mind they don't treat well, whether or not they do it to their face or not. So they're naturally, this, the, the, it's built into us. We have this, this in us uh, as, as being born. Uh, when we see it with children, right? Uh, a child that can be happy uh, to, to, to one, but then as soon as they take a toy or as soon as they see another kid playing with a toy that they didn't even know existed, all of a sudden it's, I've got to have it. There's the envy. And then the malice shows forth by how they go and get that toy. And then they rip it out of their, their hands. And then that child, who was happy for just a second ago, now all of a sudden saying, hey, I'm going to kill you. Uh, they can't speak yet, but that's what they're thinking. And so then they crawl across the room and they start slapping or scratching or grabbing for the toy. And then there's a big crying fit and a lot of things going on. And then finally an adult comes in and says, why did I have these evil creatures? And, uh, and then separates them and takes care of the situation. But you see, it's natural. As young children, there is the envyings, there is the malice, there is the anger, there is the hatred, there is a foolishness and disobedience. I think that those are easy to understand. The serving diverse lusts and pleasures, uh, serving uh, the idea of being submissive to uh, those things that are wrong. Uh, but they make me happy, but they're wrong. And so it is that, that understanding of serving those things, being submissive to those things. And so in those, those, those understandings here, he says in verse number 2, Speak evil of no man, and be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. And then he goes on to tell us in verse number 4, Doing so after that, the kindness, after we have been foolish and disobedient and all those things, he says, after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, and not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, God's mercy, He saved us by the washing and regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our, our Savior. And so what he says is, is that, uh, even though we were foolish and disobedient and served ourselves and uh, were angry and envious and hateful and all those sorts of things, Christ showed His kindness towards us and that nothing that I did, but everything that God did, He saved us. And in saving us, now I can do what verse 2 tells me to do, to speak evil of no man, to not be a brawler, but be gentle, kind showing all meekness unto all men. It's a result of what Christ did for me, which ultimately allows me to have a relationship with Christ, which then me showing forth a proper relationship with Christ, I am now gentle, I am now kind to those around me, no matter what they are to me. Again, we look, go back to the picture of Christ and what Christ did. Christ was nailed on a cross and He did so uh, willingly for me. If you ever get to the point where you don't understand that what Christ did on the cross was for you, uh, you're never going to have a relationship with Christ. And what Christ did is He willingly came to this earth for the ultimate purpose of being nailed to a cross to pay a punishment that I deserved. 
and Christ, knowing who I would be, knowing my sins, knowing my anger, knowing my hatred, knowing my envyings, knowing my uh, lusts, knowing my disobedience and deceitfulness and my lies and my laziness and my whatever else, my pride, knowing those things, Christ died for me. And because He died for me, He showed me, yes, He showed me grace, gave me grace. Yes, He showed me mercy. Yes, He did. He also showed me how to be kind, no matter how I treated Him or I would treat Him. And Christ being the ultimate example for us, and it says here that, again, not by works of righteousness which we have done, nothing that I have done, but according to what He has done, He saved us, and He shed it on us abundantly through Jesus Christ so that I can now turn around and be that for other people. I'm not asked by God to be nailed to a cross. I'm asked to carry my cross, uh, uh, but I'm not asked to be nailed to a cross. God has not asked me, at least at this point in my life, for my life, uh, flesh, to die. Maybe he will one day, but he hasn't yet. There have been people throughout history that God has used in their death. He took their life, uh, but for a purpose and for a cause. We read about it throughout history of some of the greatest Christians that we can learn from. But what Christ did, he said, it doesn't, it doesn't have anything to do with your works. It doesn't have anything to do with your righteousness. It doesn't have anything to do with your goodness. It doesn't have anything to do with your kindness. It says it has everything to do with Jesus Christ and what he did for you. And so Christ, nailed to a cross, died on the cross, putting on the weight uh, and, and, the, and the, the punishment for my sins, now allows me to do what verse 2 says, to speak evil of no man, to not be a brawler, but to be gentle, to be kind. Same word as what we see in the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. Gentleness, moral excellence, kindness, responding to those who don't treat you well with kindness. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's what's expected to be seen in your life as a result of your relationship with Jesus Christ. And when we as Christians fail to be kind, when we as Christians fail to produce this gentleness, it proves that we do not have a proper relationship with Christ. Because the fruit of the Spirit is that. It is a result of my relationship with Christ. Naturally, for most people, being kind doesn't come naturally. There are people who are naturally kind. But it's interesting what I've seen, at least, in my life. And again, I've been very fortunate to be raised in a Christian home in a Christian ministry, there's not been a day in my life where I have not been involved in ministry from the day I was born to today. And so I have seen a lot of Christians in my life. Uh, in the ministries that I've served in, I've seen a lot of Christians. And I'll tell you what, there are some very unkind Christians. Uh, when I moved to Kentucky, I got a job selling insurance. And uh, when I got hired on, my manager was excited because I was a pastor. And so she said, we need to go to churches 
and try to sell the insurance to the church, like to the church staff. And you're a pastor, so it makes sense. We can fit right in with, you know, you, can, you have an in, basically. So we started going to churches, and uh, we finally, after going to several churches, we were at lunch, and uh, she said, why are pastors so mean? She says, it seems like every church we've gone to, they've just been mean. I said, well, honestly, I can't explain it to you. I don't know. I said, hopefully, that's not how I come across. But I, I knew what she meant because they were. They were just rude and mean and just ugly. And, and I get it. I don't like being sold stuff. I get frustrated when people try to sell me things. How do I respond? And it, and it really opened my eyes to a reminder that people know who I am to the degree of they know what I do. In most cases, it comes up in the conversation, and, and people understand that I am associated with Christ. Hopefully they see it through the way I live, but if not, they'll figure it out pretty quick in conversation. So how do I come across to them, even salespeople? You know, salespeople are, uh, uh, they're above lawyers, but they're scum of the earth, right? I mean, we don't like salespeople. Um, but uh, I'm telling you, they see what we are. And what you're producing, and we'll talk about this more in just a minute with faith, but what you're producing, they're taking that and saying, okay, that's what Christians are like. Even if you're the only Christian they've ever met, that's what Christians are like. Even if they've met a thousand Christians, that's what Christians are like. Whatever they see from you. Are you showing forth gentleness, kindness, as Christ showed kindness to you. I hope so. It should be if we have a proper relationship with Christ. Number two today, we see goodness. Very similar. It really simply means ready to do good. Uh, just ready to do good. It includes kindness. It's only mentioned four times in Scripture. Similar to gentleness and kindness. They kind of blend together. But do you show a readiness to do good to other people? We won't look at any specific verses, but if I could take your recollection back to Jesus and His disciples, and you just see the difference between Jesus and His disciples in many situations, where Jesus was ready to do good and the disciples had a different mindset. It wasn't that they were trying to do bad. It's just that they weren't ready to do good. So Jesus, he would be ready to do good and the disciples would be ready to fight. Uh, Jesus would be ready to do good and the disciples would be ready to protect or guard. You remember the story of the children? Um, and I love this story because I grew up in, in a camp ministry, so around a lot of kids. And the children were coming and the disciples were like, hey, you stinky kids. I'm paraphrasing. Hey, you stinky kids, get away. He's tired. He's busy. Stay away. And Jesus said, what are you doing? Let the kids come. And the disciples, they, they weren't trying to be mean. And I don't think they thought they were doing anything wrong. They were trying to help Jesus. Because if you've been around lots of kids, and I mean like lots of kids. I'm not talking about... Three. I know as parents, sometimes we feel like that's lots, but I'm talking about like 50, 100, a couple hundred. 
uh, very quickly, adults don't want that. <laughs> um, so I grew up at the camp and I worked with horses. And so uh, at the camp, the way it just worked out, a lot of the kids really just enjoyed being around the cowboys. And it was just one of those things. It was unique because uh, most kids don't see cowboys very often. So you have a horse and you got a cowboy hat and all the kids just think you're the coolest. Now, of course I was, but anyways, uh, all these kids would come. But the next thing you know, man, you got just kids just hanging on you. Just hanging all over you, thinking like you're a jungle gym. And you're sitting there going, what are you doing? It's hot. You stink. I don't need this. Get away. Get away. Get away. Get away. And so I would send them off to go buy me an Icy. But uh, I'd get them away for a little bit. And they came back with an Icy, so I was happy to be around them again. But uh, you can see I was such a spiritually minded kid. Uh, but uh, all these kids just hanging around. And you can understand the disciples thinking for Jesus. Man, Jesus is tired. Uh, he's been teaching. He's been walking. He's been traveling. He's been uh, doing all these things. And now you've got these children that are just piling around. And so the disciples trying to do crowd control. Not, nothing bad, but also not ready to do good. And Jesus said, suffer them to come. And, and, and he sat down with the children and, and, and fellowshiped with them. We see throughout times where uh, Jesus had multitudes of people and, and was healing people, and the disciples, again, were there to defend and to guard and to fight. We saw even in the, the garden experience when they came to capture Jesus, um, boy, there were some, some guys ready to go, right? Cut an ear off of a guy. And Jesus says, hey, calm down. He fixes the guy's ear. Phenomenal story. Jesus, though, was always ready to do good. And we, a lot of times, can be like the disciples in the sense that we do good uh, at certain times, but we're not always ready to do good. We get so defensive, or we get so uh, offensive, or we get so uh, whatever, where we, we just don't actually uh, do what God desires for us to do. It's not that we're doing bad, evil, it's just that we're not doing right. Does that make sense? And we have to understand that a fruit of the Spirit, a result of a proper relationship with God, is goodness. It is a readiness to do good. How do you view people? Uh, I'm not saying that you have to um, always be giving. Uh, and I think of the guys that stand on the corner of the street and ask for money. I'm not saying that every time you go up there you have to give them money. But what is your mindset? with these guys. What would be Christ's mindset with these guys? Now granted, Christ knows if they're frauds or not. And Christ has the ability to do things for them that I, that I don't have the ability to do. So I'm not saying that you've got to do everything that Christ would do because you can't. But you should have a heart and a mindset of Christ. And what is it when you pull up and you see these people? And I've already shared that many times that I've had the wrong heart and the wrong mindset. But are you ready to do good? If you come across a situation and God opens an opportunity for you to do something, are you ready to do it? Uh, you know, kindness is one of those things where we know we're supposed to be kind. Everybody knows that. But I think sometimes, even though goodness does blend in with this gentleness, kindness, it is also separate in the sense that it's just a readiness. And always ready to do good. And I think that if you look through Christ's life, if you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 
you'll see that Christ was always ready to do good. And Christ is our ultimate example. So showing forth a proper relationship with Christ should be goodness, should be gentleness. And then let's spend the rest of our time on faith today. Faith, you know, it's a, I think the simplest uh, um, definition of faith is a confidence or a reliance in God. Yes, the Bible defines it as a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Uh, but we're looking at the fruit that we produce, a, uh, a confidence or reliance. 244 times the word is used throughout Scripture. Uh, but we see, I think we can see a slightly different thought here with faith in this thing. How should we produce faith? Faith in God is one thing, right, where we're supposed to have faith in God. But a fruit is a, is a showing, it's a product, it's a result of something. Uh, and specifically here, a proper relationship with God. So how can we produce faith? Would you turn with me to James chapter 2? Several pages over from where we were there in Titus. James chapter 2. Two thoughts with, uh, with what, we should, uh, should, uh, what should we produce. Uh, number one is seen faith. Faith that is seen. Um, the Bible says faith without works is dead. Look at James chapter 2 verse number 15. If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled. Notwithstanding, ye give them not those things which are needful to the body. What doth it profit? Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Seeing faith. And here he uses the illustration. He says, If someone comes to you that is naked and destitute of daily food, and you say to them, Depart in peace, and be ye filled. Brother, but you don't do anything to take care of their nakedness or their hunger. How have you helped them? Christians for centuries have had this problem. <laughs> it's kind of a different subject, but it can fit in with gentleness and goodness. I'll pray for you. Thanks. There are times where people have needs that we cannot fill. There are times where people have said needs that aren't actually needs, and you don't think that it will help them to supply that need. Um, as a pastor, I can understand that one fully. Uh, we don't have it as much here, uh, but in Indiana, uh, people coming in all the time with needs. Uh, my satellite bill is behind. I need to pay it or cut it off. I don't care. <laughs> you, don't need, you don't need satellite. Um, yeah, that's probably, that'd probably be good for you, actually. Um, there are different needs. I have people come up with needs for groceries. Um, and, and this may have been seen as mean, but uh, I started asking them questions. Okay, well, what are you paying for? Um, do you have satellite cable? You know, and if you do, well, why don't you cancel that for a month or two and go buy yourself some groceries? Um, you know, things like that. But it says here, the illustration given to us is this, this brother or sister is naked and destitute. 
of daily food, daily food, daily need, don't have anything to eat. And they come and ask for help, and it says if you, if you say to them, uh, depart in peace and be you warmed and filled, it doesn't warm and fill someone, right, to say it. Good luck. Hey, man, I hope, I hope that you can get what you need. I'm praying for you. Listen, prayer is powerful. I don't mean to minimize prayer, and we should pray for them. Sadly, most people who say, I'm going to pray for you, don't. Uh, but here the comment is, is, how has it profited them? What doth it profit if you've given them nothing that is needful to the body? And so he says, the same is true with faith. If it hath not works, it's dead being alone. He says in verse 18, Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works. I will show thee my faith by my works. You see, faith is one of these things that we claim to have. But if you don't show that you have it, no one's going to know it. You can say it all you want. I've got faith. I've got faith. I've got faith. But if you're not living a life that shows forth the faith, no one else is going to know that you actually have it. What is faith? Again, the definition that I like is a confidence or reliance in God. So I have a confidence in God. I rely on God. Okay, prove it. Well, I don't have to. No, you don't. But no one else is going to see it. And therefore, it's dead. It dies with you. It doesn't go on to the next generation. It doesn't go on to your neighbors. It doesn't go on to your coworkers. It doesn't go on to anyone else. It dies with you. It's dead. It's just there. It's, 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 there's nothing with it. Verse 20 says, But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Works doesn't save us. We do works as a result of our salvation. So our salvation is faith in God. And, and so in, in having that faith, that confidence, that reliance on God, okay, now what? Well, someone else is supposed to be told about that faith. The Bible says, Go ye and tell all nations. You go ye and preach to all creatures. Go ye and tell the world. Okay, so how am I going to do that if I don't have any works to show what I have within me? It's dead. It's empty. It, it, is, it is, in all practical purposes, worthless. It dies with me. And so when we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, and one of the fruit is faith, it should be a seen faith, not just an inward faith. You can't have a seen faith without an inward faith. And so again, I'm not minimizing that, but, but what it's saying here, the fruit, you see fruit, Right? If you have a fruit tree, let's say it's an orange tree, and, and you show up and you don't see any oranges, what good is the tree? Now, it may be good in the future, but what good is it to you now? And how do you know what kind of tree it is without seeing the fruit? Some of you might be smart enough to know some of them. But you come out to it, it's when you see those oranges hanging there. Have you ever been to an orange orchard and seen these just gorgeous orange trees and all these oranges hanging from the tree? It's absolutely gorgeous, but what's even better is, is you can pluck it off and eat it. 
And that's what you're supposed to be. You're supposed to have a seen faith. You're supposed to be the orange tree with oranges there. So that others can take from it. So that others can see it and and benefit from it as well. The fruit of the Spirit is not an unbloomed tree. It is a bloomed tree. These fruit that are supposed to be here as a result of your proper relationship with Christ, they have to be evident. And here, faith without works is dead. It has to be a seen faith. And then secondly and lastly, it has to be a mirrored faith. Well, who should it mirror? Jesus Christ. It's supposed to be like God's faith towards uh, that, that He has uh, exampled for us, exemplified for us. We have confidence in God because He is just because He is right, because He is loving, because He is kind. Can people have faith in you? Now listen, faith in you does not do what faith in God does. But understand that this is a fruit that we're supposed to show forth. Can people have confidence in you? Do you do what you say you'll do? Do you treat people the right way? Can you be counted on? You see, the fruit of the Spirit is a result of a proper relationship with God. And one of those fruit that we see listed in Galatians 5 is faith. It's not just us having faith in God. It's us being faithful. Yes, to God but also to those around us. Just like it's us being gentle and good and loving and joyful, we ought to be faithful to the degree that just as we have confidence in God because of who God is, those around us can have faith in us because of who we are. And we are a mirror of Christ. It's easy to say that, uh, that we should have faith in God. And it's easy to come to the realization that I need to have faith in God. But it's harder for me to be living a life where others can have faith in me. Sometimes we allow our personality to be an excuse. We talked about it with gentleness. And we, we allow, you know, well, this is just how I am. You know, I'm a pessimist or I'm an optimist. I'm kind or I'm mean. I, well, it's just my personality. Don't get offended by it. It's just the way God made me. Yet it's funny when other people say, well, it's just the way God made me. We go, no, it's not. But when it comes to our life, that's the excuse we use. I'll tell you, we have so many Christians today who refuse to look at themselves and see where they really are, to refuse to think about how how do I come off or what do I show of Christ in my life to other people? So I grew up in a home uh, with Yankee parents, but we grew up in the South. And uh, all of my extended family 
uh, are Northerners. My wife is from Michigan, and uh, don't be too offended here, John and Cherith, but if you've met Michigan people, they're a little different. There's a stereotype of, of Michiganders that isn't super great. I've been out west, Arizona, California, and they're just different from what I grew up in, right? Different. Uh, a different mindset, a different personality, a different way of living, just a different, you know, different uh, dialects and different, all these different things, accents, all those kinds of things. But they're just different. Out in California, they're just slow. Everything is just slow. Where I'm from, everything was a little faster. Where I'm from, everybody's naturally relatively kind, or at least decent to some degree. There are those that are the exception, of course. But I grew up in Middle Tennessee, and everybody there, you walked past them and you said hi to them, and you smiled. You don't know them from Adam, but, you know, hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? Great. And you go on. And the South naturally has been that way for a while, and, and, and just, just naturally you smile and nod your head or wave or say hi, whatever. But there are places that you just don't do that. And if you do, they're like, what did you say to me? I said hi. Do I know you? No. Why would you say hi to me? Bye. <laughs> you know, what did I do wrong? I'm sorry. Right, so there's, there, is, there is this, uh, depending on where you grow up and depending on the family that you grew up in and the environment you were around, and it does influence our life. But listen, are you saved? And if you are, are you producing fruit that God desires for you to produce? And would you take a moment to just look at your life and think about, am I producing the fruit that God wants me to produce? I might be naturally Michigander, But when other people see me, how do I come across? Do I show forth the fruit of Christ? I'm not asking you to be fake. I mean, if you're naturally mean, you should be kind even if it is fake. But uh, ultimately, God wants your heart to be correct. And so if you're not a smiley person, I'm not saying that you have to walk around with a smile on your face all the time, although you should have the joy of Christ in you. But what I'm saying is, is, is think about, you're, you're talking to, to people in the, in the community. How do, they, how do they take you? talking to brothers and sisters in Christ in your church. Are you producing fruit that shows your relationship with Christ? Or are you producing fruit that shows your natural self? Because if we have a proper relationship with Christ, we're going to show forth these things, which include the three things we discussed today, gentleness, goodness, and faith. A moral excellence, kindness. A readiness to be good, to do good. And a confidence in God, a reliance in God, but also being faithful so that others can have faith in you, be confident in what you will be. Because there's no doubt in who Christ is. There's no doubt in what Christ is willing to do for you. There should not be. He died for you. So is there any doubt in what you'll do for someone else? Do people look at you and go, well, I'm not even going to bother asking them because I know they're not, they're not going to help. Or I'm not going to bother asking them because I did before and they said they would help and then they never did. 
It's a, it's a product. And it should be the product in which God produces through us and not what we naturally produce as a result of being human. So the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. And we'll look at the last two next week. Lord, I thank you for your love for us. I thank you for your word and what we can learn from it, how we can learn from it. Lord, I'm thankful for your example, that we know it's possible to do these things, to be these things, to be what you desire for us to be. God, I thank you that you love us and that you are uh, patient with us and that you forgive us. And Lord, that you restore us so that we can be back to what you desire for us to be if we're not currently there. And God, I pray that today as we looked at these three things, the gentleness, goodness, and faith, Lord, I pray that if we're lacking this fruit in our life, I pray that you'd help us to produce it. Lord, if there's an area in our life where there is sin and therefore separation, therefore not a proper relationship with you, I pray that today you'd bring that to light and that we would seek you for forgiveness and restoration. And Lord, that we can begin to produce these things. And God, I pray if there's one specific thing that you spoke to us about today that we take care of it. There's multiple things that we take care of them. And Lord, I pray that you would just uh, um, help us to see who we are. Uh, Help us to understand what we are producing or not producing so that, Lord, we can do what is right. So help us, Lord. Help us as a church, as a whole, that this church would always represent uh, the fruit of the Spirit, that we would be walking Uh, with you as a church and Lord that as the community sees this church they see one that is fruitful with these things but Lord help us individually as well that we be what you want us to be and I pray these things in Jesus name with our heads bowed and our eyes closed this